Talks podcast. Um, hey, Colin, uh, how are, how are you doing over there? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Greg? Let's put in cricket noises here. (laughs) (laughs) Gravik is in Bellingham, where apparently internet doesn't exist. He was swallowed by a monster truck. R.I.P. He died (laughs) as he lived. A grave digger. (laughs) As this, we tried to think of a monster truck, and I just couldn't think of any of them. Yeah, what's up? other one wasn't there one other big one when we were yes, kids? big bigfoot right oh, there was the yeah, big yeah, blue yeah. one yeah, which I yeah, think yeah. Was bigfoot but i'm not yeah. really sure doesn't make a lot of sense it's a car it's got wheels <laughs> i guess get it together <laughs> i guess wheels can be feet yeah I mean, come if, on. You, if you think about it, wheels are the feet of cars <laughs> <laughs> anyway he got struck by one so yeah, he's dead now. Somebody painted a somebody painted a tunnel on Greg's T-shirt, and a Tesla ran him over. Yeah, oh. the person was watching TV and like taking a nap, so they yeah. couldn't intervene. Yeah, uh, if you're missing out, these are all uh, little inside jokes from our Patreon episode this week, which is hilariously about technology and a technological disaster from start yeah. to finish. So. It's like Westworld the episode. <laughs> well, Colin, it's been a good week. <laughs> Has it? <laughs> <laughs> You had posted this tweet. I know it's a good week because this tweet came out today and I have read it 15 times and I still don't really feel like I have a firm grip on what it's saying. It's quite an incantation. So this is from some guy, Eric Weinstein. I don't know who the fuck this guy is. He's a blue check. Yeah, he's some loser. Uh, Oh, math guy, MD at Teal Capital. Hell yeah host of the portal at something so all around cool guy (laughs) and he had this absolutely cryptic tweet that i think is as we get closer to the election uh we're just gonna learn more this is like a lovecraft story right we're just gonna be driven (laughs) mad by it as we peel back the layers which it begins with in cons and i want to stress this is spelled I-N-C-O-N-S with mm. both the I and the C capitalized. Incons mm. are a force this year. Involuntary conservatives are real. As I've told you, the failure to condemn Mayor Jenny Durkin and Mayor Ted Wheeler, acknowledge Antifa, admit to media bias or to level about or to level about cognitive issues, etc. <laughs> in a near octogenarian has created the never Trump Trump voter. What what is what does this mean, Colin? <laughs> I, I keep reading it. <laughs> yeah, you have. It's like um, it's like a Rorschach or like those um, magic eye things that used to exist when we were kids. You just have to <laughs> stare at it for a long time, like Ethan Supley and Mallrats. If you stare at this poster for a few seconds, a hidden picture appears. Can we do it, please, please? All right, go ahead. But hurry, the Easter Bunny's waiting. Wow, it's a schooner. <laughs> you dumb bastard. 
It's not a schooner, it's a sailboat. A schooner is a sailboat, stupid head. You know what? There is no Easter Bunny! Over there, that's just a guy in a suit! Uh, <laughs> I think what he's saying is... um, It's a sailboat. <laughs> basically, hey, I'm going to vote for Trump. I always was. But here are, here are the reasons I'm going to pretend that are holding me back from not doing so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. first off, yeah, he is revealing that there, as everybody who has half a brain has already known, there is no such thing as a never Trump Republican. <laughs> yeah. Every Republican is going to vote for Trump, just like they did last time. And just like they would do uh, 50 elections, you know, from, you know into the yeah. future if it were yeah. an option. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's step one. I mean, the funny part is that uh, one that his thing about you know uh, cognitive issues, where he mentions <laughs> that, is right where the tweet really falls apart and becomes like impossible to understand. <laughs> but I do love this idea that his argument is that Democrats haven't pivoted far enough to the right, mm. which hilariously came out the same i think literally the politico article that joe biden is going to put a bunch of republicans in his administration yeah, came, out today. Yeah. Yeah, came out today yeah meg, meg whitman fresh out of running quibby into the ground <laughs> yeah, yeah. In his cabinet yeah famous dullard meg whitman uh you know giant yeah, giant piece of shit john Kasich, like human garbage john Kasich. but yeah i mean which again, everybody who you know has been following this in any real way knew was going to happen with Biden, <laughs> right, right? But I mean, this is funny, and it does show the like completely ridiculous, uh, like fretting that Democrats do and libs do over this idea of like how are we going to win away those Republican votes? And I think this is showing you're not. So yeah, stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah, like, give up. Like literally, the only guy, the, the only way this guy is voting Democrat is if Trump runs as a Democrat <laughs> on both tickets, you know? Yeah. This, every time I've read this online, it just feels like something people are saying to give them cover for doing, like I said, the thing that they had always planned to do. Yeah. But they don't well, want to, but they have to. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, there is that group of conservatives who, probably like live in an urban area and while they like everything about donald trump and they like every one of his policies uh they just find him like personally a little gauche like that's it like, like the end like that, that's the only thing they can but i do love the failure con to condemn jenny durkin and ted wheeler um yeah a little like, seattle shout out there yeah, and I think on the left, we would also agree that there has been a failure to condemn <laughs> Jenny Durkin and Ted Wheeler. I love that these guys think that, like, Jenny Durkin is the fucking, you know, the, the queen and king of Antifa. Like, it, <laughs> it's really funny. But, uh, yeah, just just wonderful. I love, too, that he's responding to another uh, tweet from at Conceptual James. Mm. Um, basically, where he takes an excerpt, I think he says from the New Republic, right? Yeah, yep. But it's some sort of pull quote from a New Republic article saying the American left should work toward abolishing the Constitution someday, either for a new document or a new democratic order without a written Constitution. And uh, one, that's absolutely true. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> and two, uh, if if I imagine in the you know in their conception of the American left being the Democratic Party, uh, never going to fucking happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god.
Yeah, Amazing. I mean, it, it would be way more likely that victims of school shootings come back to life than... Yeah, basically, yeah. The, we're going to raise the dead for uh, Joe Biden re-election campaign before this fucking happens. But, you know, maybe there is some truth to it because we also, from a very reliable news source, Q13, <laughs> here in Seattle, uh, we had a story that there's apparently a record number of police officers quitting Seattle PD. No. Community leaders say public safety is at risk in Seattle. I'm going to go and say that. No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People that live in the exurbs are saying, Oh, Oh, by the way, I, you know, I had the, the community leader they mean is uh, the person who represents businesses in Soto. (laughs) (laughs) community leaders at the chamber of commerce say (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah well i'm just concerned there's gonna be no more blue to back brian what am i gonna (laughs) i'm gonna back the blue (laughs) i mean who am i going to thank for their service as i walk down the streets (laughs) of seattle Uh, yeah, the complaint is that 39 police officers left the department in the month of September. Hell yeah. Um, and so one, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Good, good start. But also hilariously, uh, this has happened before, but somebody posted some of the, so just like any job, when you leave being a cop, you have to fill out HR paperwork and part of the paperwork asks you why you're leaving. And so somebody posted the why they're leaving bits, which this is this has been done before. But I want to read a couple of them here. Uh, the first one, which is written in a I would make fun of the handwriting in the scroll. But literally, this is exactly how I write. <laughs> like, I could have written this, actually. Uh, I, I refuse to work for this socialist city council and their political agenda. The, this agenda sacrifices the health and well-being of the officers and ultimately uh, will destroy the fabric of this once fine city. Got him. Got him, yeah. Uh, first off, the city was never fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if the movie class of 1999 told me anything, you know, 20 years ago, this place was a hellhole. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we have bridges falling apart, piers falling into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said electrical poles were just like snapping. <laughs> One right next to my house. But uh, yeah, and there's like thousands of them. We actually had covered that in an episode of Seattle Sucks that there was like this report that there was something like 6,000 electric poles or something like that that they thought like were basically rotten and need to be replaced, but had no money to do it. And we're just like, nah. <laughs> you know, we'll replace them as they collapse under cars and houses, and people. <laughs> um, well, all the so money yeah. that we might use to do that, we're paying to have cops, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The city that has uh, three of the richest human beings that have ever lived on this planet uh, has piers <laughs> that are literally collapsing into the water with the construction <laughs> workers on them. Uh, but yeah, the, the real problem is not enough cops. <laughs> uh you know that i love to uh you know sacrifices the health and well-being of the officers right which i love that he doesn't put the the you know the other side of that which is sacrifices the health and well-being of the officers for the health and well-being of the vast majority of people (laughs) in the city (laughs) 
If they can't keep us 30 alive. <laughs> <laughs> so they had another person who came in. And theirs was, uh, I like this one because this guy typed it up. So this guy's taking it real seriously. Fancy. He wanted to make sure that his uh, criticism got heard. I would say the daily criticism of the city council and the thought that we were a, quote, necessary evil, as one supervisor once said. Also, I think OPA's willingness to take any and all complaints, even anonymous, and then take six months to render a decision made it hard sometimes to enjoy working here. <laughs> so people are allowed to complain when I beat them in the streets. <laughs> It takes all the fun out of my job. Yeah, and when it's an anonymous, we can't even retaliate. <laughs> yeah, basically, right. Yeah, department legendary for, like, retaliating against fucking uh, people who file complaints. is mad that people could file anonymously. As if the, the allowing them to file anonymously had nothing to do with their behavior, right? <laughs> yeah. Although I love, the, like, the OPA taking six months to render a decision. Because, I mean, this is, like, total cop brain. Because he's so fucking stupid, he doesn't realize that the OPA is dragging their feet for him. Yeah, <laughs> like they're specifically dragging their feet to make sure that it exceeds the contract like deadline for a complaint. And he's like, "Oh, they don't even they, they don't even get it done like that week." And it's like, "You moron! You would get punished if they did it that week, yeah. idiot! Like, you would have no right to appeal." Literally, every appeal to an OPA decision is about how long it took the OPA, OPA to do it, right? So it's like, it's a built-in get-out-of-jail-free card, and he's complaining about it. God just damn. fucking, I mean, these are the dumbest fucking people in this <laughs> I mean, just the dumbest fucking assholes. But yeah. Holy shit. But, I, you know, look, we clown on the city council a lot and stuff like that, but I am glad that even their sort of tepid, you know, decrease in the Seattle PD budget has got these, you know, guys all up in a tizzy, which is very Yeah, funny. that rocks. Yeah. I like this one guy, though, you know, um, they asked him what he enjoyed least about working at SPD, and he just wrote, city has changed. And uh, <laughs> that's a fact for all time. <laughs> city has changed. <laughs> oh. uh, uh, your words as true today as they will be in 10 years. <laughs> God, wow. <laughs> Thank you for that actionable <laughs> feedback. <laughs> Officer Krepke. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a real treat. But uh, one ex-Seattle PD cop is maybe doing a little better than the others. And uh, Carmen Best, it was announced on Twitter, I believe on Friday, has got a job at King 5 as a oh, consultant. Oh, hell yeah. Working for NBC. Working for the... Uh, Oh, why did I the peacock working for the peacock? Just like Jerry Seinfeld, just like uh, all our friends, Kramer, Seinfeld, George, Elaine, and Carmen, all together. Yeah. Matt Lauer, is he one <laughs> of our favorites. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I can't wait to hear the wonderful uh, consulting work that she's going to do for King Five. I'm sure it's going to be very enlightening. <laughs> She's going to be their Mary Kay Letourneau correspondent, I think, actually, in a surprise <laughs> twist. <laughs> Honestly, I wish that instead of doing this, I mean, if she wanted to have some sort of turn that would make her maybe get her out of the villain doghouse, would be if she just started one of those like um, those really intense like true crime podcasts <laughs> that's just about Mary Kay Letourneau. <laughs> like, <laughs> and why she has a weird fixation with her. 
You know, um, yeah, I'd listen. Yeah, I, I honestly would. I, <laughs> I would make an appointment, you know, listening. Uh, so, Colin, I wanted to raise with you, me and Greg, mm-hmm. when uh, Carmen Best said she was going to quit, we speculated about, you know, which convention, the Republican convention or Democratic convention, would try and get her as a guest. Yeah. Neither did. <laughs> we then speculated because we both assumed she was going to take a media job. Yeah, I laughed and said it would be very funny if she became mayor. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but I think we both knew that wasn't in the cards, and that a media job was most likely. And we we're we we're both like she'll probably be on Fox News. But Greg was like, no, she'll definitely be on MSNBC as their mm. police correspondent. And uh, it turned out we were like right but wrong. Right, she got a media consultancy job. But not a good one. <laughs> one here. Where did we go wrong, Colin? Uh, I don't. I mean, honestly, I had no idea where she would land. So to me, this is all surprising. But um, I think, like Jenny Durkin, and I guess like us, we have such a false sense of our place in the universe uh, as Seattleites. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, basically we're all just peons that work in the Amazon mines, like at the end of the day <laughs> to, to everyone outside of Washington state, I think. So yeah, who cares I, who the mayor is or who the police chief was. Yeah, I feel like, you know, despite having a, a show called Seattle Sucks where we clown on the city all the time, uh, even we bought into the hype that anybody outside of the state cares about this dumb city. And I think what we're finding is the answer to that is a clear no. No, they don't. They don't give one shit. Probably not one person called Carmen Best about a media job other than King. Probably King 5 and Q13 probably fought it over. But like... <laughs> Or Como, you know, but like that's literally it. Nobody else gave one shit. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like when I was a kid, I remember the Mariners existing because King Griffey Jr. was on the team. Sure. But like to me, they weren't even in a division in the American League. There was like a team that kind of existed that you would hear about every once in a while. Yeah. Because that's how like foreign a place Seattle and how like not just foreign, but like unimportant, not foreign like Paris, which you have to care about. <laughs> Foreign is in like uh, a backwater. Yeah. (laughs) Foreign like Reykjavik. You know its name, but that's it. You don't know anything else. Right? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, humorously, uh, uh, what's her face? Brady Brady Cruz at Q13, I feel like is in the same problem that she desperately wants like a Fox News job. Yeah, big time. But she's in the wrong city. Like, like nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody at Fox News would ever catch it because they would never be here to see it, right? Right. <laughs> like never got dead to be here to see it. Uh, but we all keep trying. But yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. Carmen Best just falling so far short of our predictions, but doing the same stupid job. Um, what do you think she's getting paid at King Five? I'm sure a ton, but. I mean, what is she gonna do? What are the are they? When are they gonna trot her out? I, you know, she'll probably be their like senior Mayday correspondent, where they bring oh, her cool. out like every April, you know, thirtieth or whatever, so sh- that she could tell everybody, "Hey, uh, they have tactical nukes this year. <laughs> uh, I heard they're gonna use anthrax bombs, so 
make sure that you put saran wrap all over your face and just duct tape it all around to, to keep from getting you know chemical gas you know exposed to God gas damn i forgot people did that yeah dude that's I mean, not on their face but on their house yeah yeah that was that was a real thing for those of you listening to the show who are too young to remember uh immediately after 9-11 there was an anthrax <laughs> scare and um a bunch of people decided to take uh like pla- three mil plastic and duct tape and they duct taped <laughs> every like opening in their house <laughs> which i'm sure is good for you as the person inside the oh, yeah, like, terrarium you just created <laughs> yeah. yeah holy shit yeah i mean that i feel like every mayday that's like how the city responds to the impending events of may 1st is like it's that level of just completely incoherent panic yeah i think you're totally right because i mean up until the <clears throat> the protests of the summer which uh obviously were are necessary and ongoing um i think in this town the police basically weren't a thing in most people's minds yeah yeah i mean I remember when um, the Ferguson stuff happened here uh, and going to some of the uh, Black Lives Matter events and stuff that were happening here, you would bring up like, hey, you know, with people you'd be like in the march with, you'd be like, hey, uh, Seattle PD like just shot somebody, <laughs> somebody last week. Uh, like we should care about that too. And, you know, and people would be like genuinely, I mean, like surprised by it. I mean, yeah. they're like you know hostile to hearing it but they would be like genuinely shocked it's like yeah the police department's pretty bad here i remember when it used to be a shocker to tell people uh you know this police department's under like federal fucking review (laughs) it has been for years they used to make a shocking thing to tell people and they'd be like what (laughs) yeah wait till you tell them why (laughs) yeah yeah our guys (laughs) yeah i mean you know pretty pretty amazing yeah um, i think we're a shockingly uh illiterate or i maybe that's not a the right term but uh unaware group of of Mm -hmm. citizens uh, with respect to what's actually happening in our own city well i think the thing is that people this is why we got the by the way where carmen best was going to go wrong is i feel people come to seattle or you know grow up in seattle and they think they're in a real big city they think they're in some sort of uh important metropole yeah and everything's going great like they they grew up in the you know maybe they grew up in the rural dying country town and they've moved to the shining city on the hill that is seattle (laughs) yeah and it does genuinely seem to surprise a lot of people that uh shit sucks ass here <laughs> that they're like poor people are treated like trash that the cops do whatever the fuck they want i remember people being really shocked when i first moved up here because i was and i tell yeah. people i was from texas they'd always like give me this really condescending like oh you're so lucky to be here now and all this and i'd always be like oh, you know, this yeah. place is like just yeah this place is like just as racist and awful as texas is right like, <laughs> j- just because you like to shine it up with bike paths doesn't fucking change it any goddamn way <laughs> yeah that it's like half the reason half the reason why you have bike paths is you don't want the poor people that you just kicked out of the neighborhood to come back and park on the side of the road you know like but yeah it's yeah but yeah so i mean because we believe that this is some important metropole that is like a you know again like a, a real trend-setting city 
we thought that people would care about our dumb police chief yeah. Carmen Best or our, our dumb mayor Jenny Durkin or whatever. And it turns out, uh, no, this is actually a backwater. Nobody gives a shit, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and the country's moving on. <laughs> well, speaking of this cool backwater city, oh yeah, uh, my best friend Danny Westney mm-hmm. wrote a new article. Oh, can't and- wait to hear this one. Yeah, and uh, I'm not gonna read the whole thing just because it's uh, long and borderline illiterate, like most of his stuff. Uh, oh, I think I know this one. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So this article is called "Even for Easygoing Seattle, Living in the Parks Has Gone Too Far," and he has a photo of a park, like a children's playset in the park. And off in the distance in the tree line, you can see tents. Very scary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they're talking about the six acre John C. Little Senior Park. And uh, basically uh, the resident with whom he's talking with says that, quote, it was the most heavily used park you can imagine. There aren't that many outside places for people to go down here. Uh, you know, I don't know that I can imagine a pretty heavily used park. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But so uh, I'll pick up right here. If steel goes to the park now, it's to check on the construction. <laughs> Starting in the summer, about 15 to 20 people started living in the park. And in addition to setting up more typical tents, have now built a wooden tarp covered structure with a foundation along with a paving stone stairway cut into the hillside. So naturally this site of people improving their circumstances has uh, (laughs) Westy in this one fucking infuriated. (laughs) It's all within 20 feet of the children's play area. Uh, Making people residents wonder if whether they've been cut off from city hall. (laughs) Quote, they brought in tools and dolly loads of scrap cabinet wood and plywood. Uh, Steel, who's 65, if you can believe it, says. <laughs> I know they say the homeless have nowhere else to go, but how can you come into a kid's play area and just build your own structure? There's got to be something illegal about that. <laughs> Doesn't that sum up like suburban mindset in the fucking best way? <laughs> That should be Seattle's motto. There's got to be something <laughs> illegal about that. That is like the most Seattle thing anyone has ever said. Oh, yeah. It's just fucking amazing. And one, I mean, you know, via your own reporting, they're not in the play place or whatever, but <laughs> right, who cares right. if they were. But I do love the like, uh, there's pores that I have to look at. There has to be something illegal about that. <laughs> can't, why can't they just put them in the oven? Like, I mean, just fucking astonishing this city is so fucking awful so westy goes on technically yes the reason the campers haven't been cleared out of this park though or any of the other park encampments around the city made some sense at least at first the city made an emergency decision back in march to allow camping in place due to coronavirus because indoor shelters were too crowded to comply with social distancing uh, luckily, coronavirus isn't happening anymore. So, <laughs> so these guys need to pack it and leave. 
<laughs> Problem solved, guys. It's time to move on. But even, and this is my favorite, but even homeless friendly Seattle, which has long looked the other way at encampments and low trafficked green belts, has never approved homeless camps in developed parts of city parks, such as children's play areas, for <gasps> obvious reasons. So one yeah i mean again we have so much seattle thought here which is one uh there's got to be something illegal about that but i love this homeless friendly seattle the place that caught that was sweeping homeless encampments during covid <laughs> you know yeah the place that where the police i one of the like most shocking stories that i ever like picked up and read was in an issue of real change five years ago and it was just a rundown of how many homeless people had died the year prior oh, while living God, in the yeah. streets. Yeah. And one of the stories that it mentioned, and this is like a two-parter, one of the stories it mentioned was this guy who during the winter time, presumably to try and warm up, had climbed and probably because the police had stolen all his fucking, you know, shit that he was yeah. sleeping with, mm-hmm. had climbed inside a uh I think he climbed in a recycling bin, like dumpster on Capitol Hill and then had been crushed in the compactor of the truck Mm -hmm. and was found at the recycling facility, you know, dead, obviously. And the worst part about the whole story was they mentioned it was the second time that year that had happened. In homeless-friendly Seattle. Yeah. The the SDOT, like, so SDOT, uh, their construction equipment here, Mm -hmm. Had to, they had to change their rules of how they use construction equipment, particularly along the highway embankments and stuff like that. Because over the course of like, I think it was 2011 and 2012, they had run over like three or four homeless people, killing them with construction equipment. Oh my God. And it's one of those things of like, I, I guess, I mean, this kind of cuts back to our story earlier. We talked about like Seattle really is this giant shithole. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. like, it's stuff like that that I feel like nobody knows about this city, right? Oh yeah, totally. You know mm-hmm. that you could that you could call this homeless friendly Seattle. I mean, what a fucking nightmare. Yeah, uh, yeah. that I love. Look the other way at encampments and low traffic green belts. As in, yes, we literally look away from the homeless anytime they <laughs> exist and hope to God that they stop existing. Yet here they are. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's got to be something illegal about it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, it I don't know. I, I I am continually shocked by the callousness of the city. And to be fair, it's not different than most other cities in America. You know, right. You right. find all the same stuff. Uh, it's just most other cities in America don't spend all their waking hours patting themselves on the back about how good they are. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing is that it really pierces the veil of the what we think of ourselves. And that mm-hmm. I think that's part of why we don't confront it in an honest way. At mm-hmm. least that's one of my theories as a Seattleite. Um, yeah, is that it's too it's too challenging to everything that you thought about Seattle. It just bursts the bubble in an instant. Yeah, I mean you could choose to see it and see it for what it is. Right. right. But then you would feel compelled to do something about it or <laughs> yeah. you could choose to retreat into fantasy. Right. And <laughs> yeah, it's just really disturbing how many choose to retreat into fantasy. Yeah. Um, or yeah. Or ignorance. who just don't even care at all. 
Yeah, yeah. Just specifically try not to know anything about it and all that. And it, it's... <laughs> well, here, let's read the last couple of paragraphs okay. here. Um, so, yes, what could the city have done instead other than, you know, just allow these people to live? What could the city have done instead? <laughs> We're nearly eight months into the pandemic, and it sure seems like we should have more socially distanced shelter options by now such as more motel rooms. Or remember that the field hospital in the stadium district, the military and FEMA set up in a couple of days. Uh, do that except do that except for poor Pierre. Jesus Christ, sorry. This writing is awful. I apologize. Do that except for people living homeless. Building housing is great, but it takes years. False. Regardless, this is where we are right now. We've got an encampment digging in at a children's play area in a city park situated in a city housing authority development specifically designed around reliance on that park. And the city's not only not doing anything about it, but sorry, New Holly, get used to it because it doesn't have any agreed upon framework for doing anything about it in the future either. Oh, there's no process. So if I'm understanding Danny correctly, the problem isn't that we have over probably 12,000 people without homes. It's that a few of those people are near a park where children play. Yeah. Now and, and the, <laughs> yeah. And there's no process to have them eradicated. Right. And it's always funny because every one of these articles takes great pains to not consider for a second, like why the city might have an enormous homeless, <laughs> homelessness crisis or why, like, you know, none of these uh, police, why the using the stick to beat the homeless has never worked to reduce homelessness. Yeah. It's just, no, we, you know, the homeless are there, the stick needs to be used, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and how many, and, what are we in, like, year, was it 2012 that the state of emergency was? Yeah, yeah, I believe it was 2012. I mean, basically as long as the consent decree has existed, we've had a state of emergency around homelessness. <laughs> Hell yeah. And it's gotten worse every year, basically, <laughs> since then. Um, yeah, I mean, I love this. You know, he says we're nearly eight months into the pandemic, and it sure seems like we should have more socially distanced sheltered options <laughs> by now. It's like, yeah, agreed. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's actually been a major issue <laughs> that people have brought up and... Uh, weird that jenny durkin especially doesn't want to do anything about that that is surprising yeah i, I would have thought she'd have been right on that but yeah you know very strange i guess no reason to look into that in any way <laughs> yeah i mean just fucking amazing yeah it's cool that you can get that published in the times like yeah <laughs> this the, the city's major newspaper decided that was worth fucking putting in it you know <laughs> fucking amazing not only worth putting it but that this this dumb fucking you know <laughs> hobbit danny westney uh deserves a paycheck probably more than the reporters get oh yeah <laughs> you know to write this weekly you know fucking dumb bullshit yeah something he thought about in the shower or like somebody yeah. offhand mentioned to him how they had to see a homeless person at a camp or a park <laughs> We were talking about deep fakes on the other episode, and like there has to be a way to just auto generate the why the homeless are bad column for the Seattle Times, right? Oh, yeah, at this point, for sure. Yeah, like I feel like it just auto generate, and you, you could just get rid of Danny Westneed altogether. Maybe then he can go live in the park. 
<laughs> Danny Westneed's uh, latest column is it's been one month since I lost my job at the Seattle Times. <laughs> He's just writing it on uh, toilet paper <laughs> and one of the like porta potties they dropped off and knocked over near the camp. And yeah, fucking piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. All right, well. Danny Westy did uh, bring up one important issue that we should probably talk about a little bit, sure. which is uh, COVID-19. Uh, it's gone. So fuck the homeless. No, it's uh, it turns out after checking my notes, it's uh, getting worse. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so there was a few articles last week about how the COVID crisis is getting worse. Um, one a uh, little tidbit from an article from CNN I thought was uh, good, not just because it brought up Seattle, but an updated forecast from the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics. Hey, that's mm. us. Yeah. Now, now projects the U.S. could top 389,000 COVID nineteen deaths Ooh. by February first. Hell yeah! Scoreboard. Hell, hell yeah. In the latest ensemble forecast published by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention shows more than 20,000 Americans could die from the virus in just the next three weeks. Oh, my God. So we're essentially hitting this new peak, right? Uh, we're, I think they had just announced they're hitting 60,000 new cases a day nationally, which is, you know, about where we we're at, at the last peak. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, apparently... Uh, Another thing that is bad is that as we head into winter, uh, it's expected to get worse already. So the fact that it's getting bad now is not a good sign. They they had a on that same CNN article, they were interviewing somebody from, I think, the CDC or whatever about it. And he was just like, uh, yeah, doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Um it's gonna so, die in my home i think that's gonna rock so, I mean, very excited for this pandemic that'll <laughs> never fucking end ever um but there was the interesting story in the seattle times about a covid outbreak at harborview mm -hmm. which is always what you like to hear yeah and uh i just thought there were some interesting segments in here that i think were just like worth kind of reading here sure um so Lynch, who's some character in the story, <laughs> I don't know. Lynch said Harborview requires staffers wear masks at all times, wear eye protection when in close proximity to patients, and stay home when feeling ill. But the virus, quote, just preys upon any gap. After months of community transmission, Lynch said pandemic fatigue was grinding on staffers and visitors. He said visitors are required to wear masks, but sometimes remove them in family members' rooms. Quote, you remind them, you leave, and the masks are off again, Lynch said, adding that the hospital was moving toward a no-strikes policy on visitor masking. Lynch said staffers are finding it more challenging to resist the urge to socialize and connect with colleagues. In Harborview's cafeteria, quote, we literally had to bolt the tables to the ground so people wouldn't eat together. You have to assume everyone has COVID and act that way. Uh. So I, I think this actually like highlights something 
that probably, you know, at least towards the beginning of coronavirus that nobody really thought about, which was the idea, like, particularly at hospitals and stuff, but just everywhere in our jobs, there's literally no way you could maintain the, like, uh, coronavirus, like, full status, you know, full yeah. alert yep. posture forever. Right? It's, like, physically impossible. Right. Um. I mean, and I thought this thing about the staffers, right? You know, it's more challenging to resist the urge to socialize. And they bolted the tables to the ground so they would stop eating together. Again, it just shows how this country's like complete inability to handle this crisis it has spawned these horrifying new vectors for the disease that you wouldn't have even considered before. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, they go on to say that, you know, <laughs> hospitals across the state have struggled with outbreaks. They list a few uh, that have had large outbreaks and then have this interesting little bit at the end where the Seattle Times submitted a public disclosure request to the Department of Health earlier this month for reports and data about outbreaks in healthcare settings. The agency said it would provide records by July of next year. What? <laughs> There's two possible answers for that, which one is that they are not really keeping the records. There's right. nothing to hand over. Yeah. But two, everything is so bad, they don't want to hand it over, and they're, like, stalling as long as possible. My God. It just kind of gets into sort of what I wanted to maybe, like, finish out talking about, which is just, when the, like, when the fuck is this COVID thing going to end? Because we seemingly are completely incapable of doing anything required to stop this outbreak. So are we is the, are we just going to live with this forever? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I was talking about this with a friend. Um of course not in person. Uh <laughs> You I'm, couldn't talk in person. Your uh your computer's actually been bolted to your, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> your houses so you couldn't yeah. you couldn't uh, talk together. We're we're in a cage, but uh <laughs> it feels like we're just doing the herd immunity thing without saying we're doing the herd immunity thing. Uh, which is, if you're not familiar with this, basically that everyone needs to get it. And of course, that means some percentage of people will die, but hopefully it means that some level of immunization or inoculation will occur. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's what it feels like is happening because the government's not taking any strong stance on any of this. Uh, lots of states are doing whatever they can as these numbers are ticking up. To maintain the level of of openness that they're at now because they don't want to go back, which Mm -hmm. can't possibly be good if we are headed to a second wave, Um, which, yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. It really is horrific and awful. And um, I, I don't know what we do. We just stay inside for three years or something. I don't. Yeah. And I mean, you know. The idea of like the herd immunity concept when, uh, you know, it kills like 2% of the people that get it Mm -hmm. in a country with 360 million people. I mean, you're talking 7 million dead. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, you know, a a fact like so horrifying to even consider, but it really is the only thing that makes any goddamn sense at this point. Right. I mean, it's what we're doing. It really is what we're doing. If we're not going to say it is, but it's what's happening. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I thought what was so interesting about the Harborview article, too, is it showed 
that if you're not going to build out the healthcare capacity, which both parties have specifically said we're not going to do, <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're not going to do anything about uh like you know any intervention into people's lives so they can actually like social distance stay home like if you're not going to shut down the economy or whatever so that people can actually stay home yeah and and give the virus time to kind of like winnow out a little bit right if you're not going to do any of these things then yeah i mean even at the level of you know in the hospitals where they literally are watching people die they're not going to be able to maintain this posture of uh alert right and it, at the hospital where they're literally watching people be intubated where they're literally watching people die yeah. from this disease yeah if even they're having a hard time uh maintaining this life of uh total robotic anonymity and alienation how is it going to work at any company and i can <laughs> tell you because i go into places around here and i see uh it doesn't like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're yeah, you're totally right. And I think that we are at the point in time, because I think it's been something like six months since lockdown started, or maybe it's seven, um, where people are starting to tip their put their toes in the water and kind of feel out what they can get away with. People are clamoring for some kind of return to a normal life. And like you said, absent any direction or absent any guidance, real guidance or help from the government, that's Mm going to mean that people are just increasingly playing chicken. And given we've talked about this before, but given our predilection to like solipsism and not believing anyone else in the world exists, but us, that doesn't really do great things because we don't care that a quarter of a million people are dead because they're not us. Uh, Mm -hmm. And until it's us, like it doesn't matter. So more and more people are are going out doing things and that's not going to it's not going to help people keep people alive. So, yeah, yeah. And I think, too, I mean, this is sort of my uh, like closet fear about this election. Because uh, I, you know, I like a complete idiot watched uh, both the presidential debate and the vice presidential <laughs> oh. debate. Uh, Bad Brian. And- and I'm now dumber for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't I haven't voted for president since 2000. <laughs> and I watched that. Like what kind of fucking I'm a sicko. Like we were talking about sickos at the other show. I'm I am a fucking sicko. You are going to become the Joker, I think. <laughs> basically. But watching that and listening to both parties basically say we have literally no plan for COVID at all. <laughs> like if you watch that and had any thought that any of these idiots are going to do anything about this or that any of them have any plan even do anything about this, we were watching two different things. Like they, yeah. they have nothing that was, that was, that was the message of the debates was they literally <laughs> have nothing. And, you know, and they're all out of ideas, but my sort of closet fear is that if Biden gets elected, because COVID is the Trump disease, yeah. once Trump is gone, the disease will go with it. <laughs> right? Like, they'll just yeah. pretend it doesn't exist. They'll yeah. become exactly like the fucking MAGA people, and they'll just say, no, it's done. No COVID. <laughs> like, they won't be able to acknowledge, like, I mean, we'll probably be in the middle of another huge fucking, you know, surge or yeah. whatever yeah. Uh, when Biden is inaugurated. And they'll just pretend it's not happening, just like the Trump people do. 
because really all all any because because their mind is so foreclosed on actually doing anything about right yeah it'll just be uh well you know our guy's in so it's not a problem anymore you know (laughs) yeah it it was only to be used when when trump was there now that our guy just like by the way just like the kids in cages at the border when none of these people gave a shit when fucking obama did it and all of them are gonna stop carrying the fucking second biden's in office just like you know everything else that's awful about the trump administration which is really just america you know (laughs) um you know they're just gonna stop caring and that's when it'll really go ape shit because it'll just be like full because all the Republicans will still want to open up their states, but right. then all the dim governors will be given permission to do it too. Yeah, and it'll be like fuck it, who cares? It only kills poor people, anyways. Yeah, so yeah, full opening. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I think you read. I think there is probably even some psychological component to this where it has been so tied to Trump and Trump's administration that mm-hmm. um given the back to brunch brain of the liberal it probably will just be out of sight out of mind um and like you said the fact that most people of means are just holed up in castles having people deliver them things mm-hmm. uh so it still is fairly abstract to even them <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, because you could have, as we've already seen, hundreds of thousands of dead and still have people that it's not affected them in any, like, personal way, right? Yeah, I mean, like, quarter of a million we've got to be at, I think, today, probably. We were at, like, 220-something the last time I looked, and that was a few days ago. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think, I mean, the UW was probably being conservative. I don't think they're being, like, uh, panicky or whatever. Yeah. You know, Pollyannish. When they said you know 400 basically 400,000 dead by you know february basically yeah. by biden's inauguration right um that's probably true i mean that's almost certainly just in the fucking cards uh in it, it's it's an astonishing number that's like impossible to wrap your head around which will also help like you know help yeah. people just pretend it doesn't yeah. exist yep you know again also it's just like the Iraq war when, you know, I remember four years in the Iraq war when there was a, you know, a big report that the Iraq war probably killed 600,000 people mm-hmm. and people just, they have no way to metabolize that. And to this day, people will look at you like you're from outer space when you'll tell them stuff. like Yeah. That. Like, yeah. You know, like, you know, that war probably killed a million people, you know, in yeah. Iraq and the surrounding area. Yeah. Totally. And, and it, you know, cause the number is so large, they just, write it out out of hand and again just like we talked about earlier just thinking about it is too it's too much so yeah just push it away and i think covid's gonna end up that same spot i mean this is sort of my my fear all along with this election uh, and the out to brunch crowd which by the way have are proving me right every fucking day i know it's yeah but my my, yeah i didn't want to say it on the show because i didn't want to hear all the fucking complaining about it or whatever but uh you know my thing about like trump and biden is i think for the left like you know a trump election might actually help because at least the libs will continue to be upset about bad things whereas (laughs) the second biden gets elected there will be a universal front of democrats and republicans who think that everybody on the border should be put in a cage or killed and that you know (laughs) that we our imperial policy is good and (laughs) And that honestly, nothing should be done about COVID or healthcare. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think that is bad. 
like watching the way libs acted during the obama administration i mean it really was their attitude was as bad as any maggot shot they just didn't care yeah Yeah, they didn't care about anything it really was astonishing they had no fucking screw they just did not give a shit well because we'd all been we thought we'd all been raptured yeah and it's it's the seattle vacation thing like we were talking about earlier where you just kind of are like i'm living in the golden age everything's great Mm -hmm. everything's running itself everything's good i don't have to think about anything yeah uh of course is preposterous but very pervasive and like to your point everything that i have seen and the way that biden is running this campaign he is running to go back that is what they're doing just want to go back they're not talking about what's ahead they're talking about going back to what it was uh and that's what it was to them yeah and the thing is like basically what trump did and this is what i'm going to say something positive about donald trump here (laughs) <laughs> what Donald Trump did was he pulled back the mask of America, right? And everything yeah. that is, you know, people had to look at it. And just like in a Lovecraft novel, they only saw a piece of it, right? They don't even fucking know. They just yeah. saw a piece. But also in Trump's like visage, in his appearance, and his attitude, he mm-hmm. is every bit as disgusting and awful as this fucking country is. Yeah, And people... Instead of saying, wow, what a fucking horrifying place this empire at the end of history is. Yeah. Uh, what like what a terrifying thing capitalism has created in its own image, right? Instead of doing that, they all just said, please close the curtains. I don't want to look anymore. Right? And whenever you go on social media, that's it, man. Like all the way down is just oh man, it's gonna be so great when Biden gets elected and I could just go to sleep again. And it's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, like, you're, yeah, this is perfect, man. It's like everyone wants to eat the sausage. They don't want to know how it's made. Yeah, basically, right? It is, it is sort of those things that, I mean, <laughs> this country's gonna get worse. No matter who wins in November. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna get crueler. Yeah. It's gonna get meaner oh, and yeah. all this stuff. And the big thing is, is I like I said, this is my fear, is that every single lib is just going to close the curtain and pretend they don't see it again. Yeah, and, and that's what they're horrible. telling us they're going to do too. That's what they. Yeah. That's what they want. They want to <laughs> yeah. go to. They want to hibernate again for two thousand years. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, like I said, it's not idle speculation on my part. They keep saying it over and over again. Um. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, and it's this thing that, it, you know, part of what's upsetting about it is like, uh, you know, <laughs> I know people that are going to be negatively impacted, yeah. including myself, right? Yeah, right. And, and it's really horrifying to know that we're all going to still be alone. Yeah. And uh, it's it's uh, it's upsetting. I mean, there, I can't, there was this report that came out. I mean, people knew that this is what had happened during the Obama administration. They even like formalized it in a report a couple of years ago uh, from, I think it was from, uh, I can't remember, from these, I think from the People's Policy Institute or whatever, mm-hmm. that Obama oversaw the largest destruction of black wealth yeah. since, the, since the destruction of the Reconstruction Bank. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, again, it's these things that just nobody wants to look at like i knew tons of people were thrown out of their fucking houses after 2008 yeah. they were given nothing yeah i had a i had a guy telling me the story he worked for um he essentially worked for a foreclosure farm 
for a uh, large home, you know, loan industry, but is in Dallas. And he was just on the phone all day, essentially processing foreclosures and doing the paperwork and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he would tell me about how they were given ice cream socials for meeting like foreclosure goals oh, and God. shit like that. I mean, that was the world of Obama. Now it didn't get better under Trump. It's just as mean and cruel and everything, right. but people had to actually look at it. And it's just very upsetting that we're going back to this. Oh, let's just pretend it doesn't exist mode. Um, it's awful. Yeah, I I agree completely. And it's something that's really bothered me about obviously what happened to Bernie um, and then the campaign that Biden has run, because like you said, Trump has is created in our image. We're looking at a mirror, whether we want to admit that or not. Mm -hmm. And I think this particular moment, especially given the pandemic, this is a very unique opportunity to talk about the future that we want to have not the past that we miss because that's that's what he that's what he's telling us nothing will get better yeah we're just gonna go back to how it was yeah i mean and think about how insane it is that you know a we're in the middle of a pandemic where the united states has uniquely in the world failed yeah at uh you know protecting its citizenry or whatever from the pandemic it is easily gonna have the highest death toll of any country on the planet we're already talking a quarter million dead and both candidates are running against any sort of healthcare against having any healthcare for people <laughs> expanding healthcare in any way. Yep. I mean, astonishing. Well, I wanted to add, yeah. When we talk about like trying to imagine the world that could be on the same day that the UW announced that we're probably gonna have 400,000 dead by February. Jay Inslee also extended the moratorium on evictions, which was about the lapse for the state of Washington, yeah. extended it to December 31st. So happy new year's, everybody. <laughs> but I think what's really crazy about this is in his official release. Yeah. Right. He says, uh, you know, he has this had a bold header moratorium on evictions and it's, and it has some bullet points, right. And it says mm-hmm. the extension makes modifications to the prior moratorium, including First bullet point, clarifying that tenant behavior, which is imminently hazardous to the physical safety of other persons or the premises, is included among the existing permissible reasons for seeking to evict a tenant. Oh, boo. Point number two, authorizing landlords and property owners to send advance notice of future rent increases in limited circumstances as long as the notice clearly provides that the rent increase will not go in effect till after the moratorium out of here are you oh my god (laughs) and then the the third bullet point is just that there has to be better communication between landlords and tenants and the fourth one is requiring that any 60-day notice to vacate if an owner intends to occupy or sell the premises must be in the form of an affidavit signed under the penalty of perjury. So he extended the moratorium on evictions, which absolutely needs to happen, but at the same time basically strengthened the landlord's hold over the tenant in the process, right? Yeah, undoes any protection saying oh you can still be evicted yeah he basically like here's some swiss cheese to this fucking law where you can crawl your fucking you know ghoulish slimy ass through it to fucking throw your tenants out in the street in the middle of a pandemic if you want to yeah you know yeah if you value if you value money as a landlord 
know? As a landlord American. Yeah, if you value money over human life, uh, that rare thing for landlords, here's your way around it, right? Yeah. Chilling. And again, yeah, and I mean, this is, Jay Inslee has been held up, right, as the, you know, the lib mayor or lib governor par, you know, excellence or whatever, right? But I mean... Yeah, this shit is just, I mean, it's fucking disgusting. We should be talking about, like, housing being a human right and completely yeah. remake. Yeah. The housing system is going to collapse. There's no there's no stopping that at this point. Yeah. So we could just remake. I mean, there's so many things about COVID. It's going to collapse so many awful, horrible aspects of our economy that we could just decide not to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, like, we could decide that a completely parasitic, fucking leech like landlord class like sucking the blood out of everybody who actually labors in the society is bad and shouldn't yeah. exist <laughs> yeah we could do that or we could allow them to uh do all the things that a moratorium ostensibly was protecting them from yeah yeah or we could just put some nice little loopholes in the moratorium <laughs> to make sure that their sacred property rights are never you know foregone for just human fucking decency <laughs> or survival well this is the uh, classic having it both ways of trying to be the good guy and the bad guy at the at the same or the good <laughs> guy and the reasonable guy at the same time yeah yeah and weird how the reasonable guy is always the one that's like hey uh we gotta make sure rich people have more money yeah exactly (laughs) that's the only reasonable position and uh you know this sort of ties into a lot of other stuff that came out this week about you know how much more money jeff bezos has made because of the pandemic well at the same time he's authorized uh warehouse workers at amazon to where they can now ask for up to 50 percent of their pay as an advance yep hell yeah you know, I mean, again, I, I just don't see how we come out of this pandemic, one, without just stadiums full of dead people, but also how we don't come out of this pandemic is just so much, so much meaner and crueler society. Yeah, like, yeah, completely. I, I mean, I think you're right, because there was also that story going around that saying 8 million people have been pushed into poverty, basically, by the mm-hmm. lapse of the what was it the cares act the yeah yeah the cares act yeah the very modest uh stimulus and support that was granted for at the beginning of all this yeah well it, and it's this insane thing too because basically like the trump administration's tried to like shove some sort of new stimulus through as a, you know a bold you know a bid clearly to just get reelected right right and it is astonishing. I mean, that Wolf Blitzer, you saw the Wolf Blitzer interview. Yes, with yeah, yeah. But basically, I mean, one, it was so funny watching the libs on Twitter try and pretend that this is anything other than Pelosi blocking it because she thinks it'll help Biden's election chances. It, but I mean, some of them would even know, like would point out the real sort of the real politic of it all and would talk about like, see, she's a genius. And like nobody considering the like just utter fucking cruelty of playing with people's lives like this yeah to elect a fucking dementia addled <laughs> fucking 80 year old psychopath <laughs> right and joe biden yeah. to the fucking presidency right like that that's the prize we get for <laughs> throwing people into the street dropping them into poverty, probably killing a significant number of them in the process oh yeah uh, the prize is 
Joe fucking Biden, the architect of almost everything that's wrong in America, <laughs> as fucking president. And uh, yeah, and I mean, it, I, what a what a just cruel fucking game of politics to be playing. Um, and I mean, and really astonishing too. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, it, completely. It, that interchange was so bizarre. Mm-hmm. She was so condescending to him. And it's not like Wolf Blitzer is cool and good, but he was just saying reasonable things like uh, people are having a real bad time. Yeah. You might want to do something for them. Yeah. I mean, he basically was like, hey, there's like millions of people being dropped into poverty by this. Like, yeah, shouldn't you be doing anything to help them? And it's very instructive that her response was to tell him to go fuck himself. Yeah, you know? basically. And that he, he didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah, and she's like, "Don't worry, we'll feed them." And it's like, "Yeah, I've 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 been to California. I've seen the way you feed the homeless in California. You know, the place where a judge had to step in because you slammed your prisons so fucking full of poor people that they were stacked on top of each other like a fucking slave ship, and you fucking had and like literally a fucking federal judge." The, like cr- some of the cruelest, dumbest fucking people on the planet are federal judges. <laughs> and even they looked at that and were like, this is disgusting and inhuman. You can't do this anymore. That's that. And she's like, no, we, we are helping people. Don't worry. We got it. Uh, yeah. Doesn't it feel like we're being helped every day? I feel like I'm being helped. Just, just fucking unbelievable and i still yeah you know that's the thing right like you still have a place to live imagine not having a job at all not having a place to live because lots of states under Mm -hmm. my understanding are have started evicting people i mean people are getting evicted Mm -hmm. where where the fuck are they gonna go yeah and i mean and shout out to groups i mean look vote for whoever the fuck you want to just don't pretend like it matters right do whatever you want write grimace on there it's gonna have the exact same impact on your life as doing anything else in your ballot but groups like the kc tenants unit who this week basically went up and they changed shut the doors of the eviction court before it could open and they just locked up the fucking eviction court it took over the stairs so the fucking the awful ghoul like judges and shit couldn't go in there and start fucking evicting people and they actually forced them to shut the court down for at least the week yeah that rocked and it's like that that that's all we have at this point like again no politician's gonna help you that's all you have all right like you have to support those people you have to become one of those people yeah that's that's where we're at right now you know uh, there has to be anti-eviction committees. There has to be, you know, that help people move their shit back in. There has to be people to threaten the fucking sheriff's department when the sheriff's department tries to come and shoot you for not leaving the fucking house, right? Yeah. You know, it, it's 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 going to get fucking ugly. And, you know, you just, as always in America, you just worry, like, what are, what's anybody going to do about it, right? And, right. Uh, you know... <laughs> People see a certain portion of the population seems very content to do nothing about it and just pretend it's yeah. not happening. Yeah, and pre- all, a lot of that suffering is invisible to them and remains invisible yeah. to them. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, right? Is our, we're so segregated by, you know, not just like race in, in America, we're segregated by class too. Right. So, you know, you could live your whole life in Seattle and never know that there's, you know, people being thrown out on the fucking street, you know, yeah. because you don't live by rental units, mm-hmm. right? You know, Jenny Durkin, this is not a problem that's going to affect her. Right. 
know? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, maybe it should. Maybe people should form encampments at her house or something. <laughs> then that would that would really upset Sally Bagshaw, though, Brian. We don't want to do that. Yeah, I know. You know, imagine, I mean, you know, all the stuff that we're talking about, a lot of it, things happening directly in Seattle or directly in the state of Washington. And Sally Bagshaw is complaining that somebody spray painted a dick outside. (laughs) Like, first off, there's spray painted dicks like down the street from my house and there's no political significance to them. They're just dicks. Uh, It's fine. We've all lived. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Well, I think we'll get in on just maybe uh, one last quick story just to try and brighten the mood a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. Because <laughs> this, this story really made me laugh when I first saw it, which is uh, our state lieutenant governor. Oh, uh, Cyrus. Yeah, Cyrus uh, left the state and moved to California. While <laughs> <laughs> yeah. still lieutenant governor. And that honestly fucking rules. <laughs> This sort of nicely ties up our discussion about uh, Seattle not being the uh, metropole that we think it is. <laughs> yeah, for all who knows, we're just raising Bigfoots out here, like <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> but I love because it's not just that the lieutenant governor, while still in office, moved out of state. It's so funny that he moved to California, the arch nemesis of Washington and Seattle, right? Yeah. Like, just, uh, I couldn't be right back. I mean, the, it's equally funny that he moved to go to seminary school, which is very, very amusing. But yeah, just very good. Uh, somebody asked me, don't they have seminaries in Washington? I'm sure they do. But who would want to go to one? <laughs> yeah, but they're all run by cryptids and vampires. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. That's awesome. So, you know, uh, critical support for Cyrus as he moves. Uh, I hope the best for him in California. Uh, I I didn't see where he's going in California, but, you know, have fun there, bud. I'm sure sure that he will. (laughs) All right. So we don't have any new patrons. Um, So uh, that's it. I mean, what else can we say? Uh, You feel you feeling better after this conversation, Colin? (laughs) I'm feeling about the same. I've I've said it before. It's either a wear the vest day or a find me on the trail missing my head kind of day. And there's more of those <laughs> lately. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, it's probably not a good sign that like particularly horror movies and stuff have really trended towards this. Uh, not even apocalyptic, but very like, you know, cult theme and stuff. Like I feel like cults yeah. have been very big lately. Yeah. Uh, even a lot of like uh, cosmic horrors started to come back, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like that can't be a good sign for where people are psychologically. <laughs> well, that's I mean, I've said it before. Uh, I feel like Jenny Durkin, like the liberal machine, is kind of a cosmic horror, and I guess we said it on the show. It's just like mm-hmm. it's a, a thing beyond your understand, your human understanding <laughs> that drives you insane. Yeah, pretty much. I know it's done it to me. So, <laughs> yeah. well, uh, I I guess on that note, we should probably get back to our uh, Zoom meetings where we're just jerking it in the office, uh, <laughs> thinking about oh, the Supreme Court. You were doing that the entire time we taped. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's the hidden secret of uh, how we do these Zoom meetings. <laughs> we're just, we're like uh, we're like you know like apes in the zoo where we're just like you know pushing our genitalia at the camera to like threaten the other. You know. <laughs> uh, now this is podcasting.